0: join me in a new series I'm calling The Good, the Bad, the Military Family, where I join in conversation with many military spouses about the hardships and struggles of military life and culture. I'm Annalise Lucero, and this is The Good, the Bad, the Family. Thank you for joining me today. I am happy and excited to be starting this new series on the podcast about military family, military life, being a military spouse. And I think it's really perfect because it coincides with April, which is the month of the military child. And all over military branches and culture, we celebrate April as, you know, the month of the military child. We wear purple, Do lots of activities on base for kids. And it's like any other, you know, celebrating whatever in a month where all this information and all of this stuff is sort of concentrated on this month. And then the rest of the month, we sort of just look away and say, yeah, but at least we have April where we draw attention to the struggles of the military child, even though they struggle all year round. But anyway... If that does not set the tone for the podcast, I don't know what will. I think this first episode in the series of the good, the bad, the military family. I really want to start by kind of introducing how this topic became something in my radar that I wanted to share on the podcast. I've I've spoken before about being a military spouse and ha- being in a military family. But I don't think I've ever really shared much detail on how military life impacts my life personally and my family's life personally. So I I decided I I just kind of want to put some feelers out. I want to see what people are thinking about me doing this content. I started on Instagram doing some fun reels for military couples. And if you don't know what a reel is on Instagram, it's like the videos that everybody watches with the music. Kind of like TikTok. I don't know what came first, but they're both here and people are using both. So I made some Instagram reels about military couples and military, you know, life. And um, then I did a, a podcast episode on pineapple, orange banana about month of the military child. And I messaged some of my friends that are military spouses. Hey, what do you think about this doing this military life on a podcast military life on reels and content on my social media to support military couples. And these are the topics that they brought up that they would love to be covered, right? Like everybody wants to learn about this stuff. Everyone wants to know about this stuff, but these are the specific things that they thought would be meaningful to the military spouse community. Um, I'm not shocked by any of them, and I'm going to share them with you, but I'm not shocked by any of them, but just that, like everybody had the same response to a degree, right? Like personal things were put in to make it their own unique story and needs. But they really all kind of came back to grief. grief being like the the core emotion that military spouses and families experience, um, resentment, everybody shared that resentment is something they struggle with in their relationship uh, as a military family. Giving up personal goals and expectations, waiting, always waiting. There's a saying, I don't know if it's across all branches, but in the Air Force, we we say, hurry up and wait. You're waiting all the time, waiting for orders, waiting for them to return, waiting for, you know, uh, news, waiting for an award, waiting for this event to become something. I don't know, just like always waiting, always, always waiting, hurry up and wait. Issues uh, a lo- among a lot of uh, people that I reached out to were parenting, specifically parenting alone, um, because we, you know, as military families, we do spend a lot of time apart. Uh, the politics of military life, which I just don't feel like people talk about a lot. And that is something that certainly I will bring up uh, as my own personal experience and struggle. Uh, disappointment upon disappointment upon disappointment right? That goes back to like those expectations that we we have. Everybody has expectations. It's inevitable. As a human being, we have expectations. And in the military, as a spouse and as a parent of military children, I deal with disappointment daily. Uh, the stigma of, there's many stigmas. The stigma of being a military spouse, which has its own collection of assumptions and stereotypes, the stigma of being in the military, right? There's this like assumption that you're a good American and you're, you know, everybody in the military must be good. I've met plenty of military people who are not good people. Um, and, and also the stigmas within the military culture, like my husband is an aircraft maintenance officer, the stigma of that, the stigma of being a pilot or being a pilot's spouse or being a, you know, a my mind is blanking right now because there's so many just different variations of military world and military culture. And that's just, I mean, I know the Air Force better than any other branch because that's what we are an Air Force family. There's also the Army and the Marines and Coast Guard then like Guard and Reserves. So there is a lot of variation of military life that can be based on the branch, the job that the active duty person does, and what base you're at because that makes a difference too. So that also contributes to another topic brought up, which is the lack of resources and how there is a huge I think break between I don't know, there's like this lack of a I don't know, awareness or progress towards providing resources for military families. It still irks me to this day. That we can have military families on WIC and food stamps. Active duty military families who are struggling financially have to be on assisted government support. I just don't understand that. And I, I, I wish somebody could explain it to me. Um, and maybe one day somebody will to help me understand why that is. But I think there's some quotes that I wanted to share with you because they had a really big impact on me. And again, this is just like the introduction to this topic. I plan to go into detail and have many people on the podcast with me, but this is my invitation to you as a listener of this podcast to stay with me during this series and listen to the voices of military spouses and, and some of whom, you know, will be, have, have, active duty history, um, and, and other connections to the military, not just as a spouse. Um, but I just hope that you'll, you'll stay. So today I'm going to share some quotes from the messages I received. And then I'm also going to share my story. Um, so, so in reaching out to my friends, here are some quotes that they said, some, somebody said, and I'm not going to reveal names because I feel like privacy is so important. So, and, and as a therapist, Privacy certainly is really important and an ethical obligation of mine, but without revealing any details, here are some quotes from friends of mine. Uh, The biggest thing I have to work on is adjusting to the role of being an independent woman and not assuming traditional roles in marriage, yet sometimes the military situation forces you to do so. Their job always comes first. That, That hits hard for me as well. Um, definitely, definitely an issue in military couples is communicating and figuring out your expectations on what your role is. And if you get married before your, you know, partner is in the military and then they join the military, that can change things big. Or, you know, like me, I just had no, no idea what the military was. And then I get married and whoa, (laughs) got to adjust all those expectations. Uh, another person said, solidarity with other military spouses who feel the same helps. And this is huge because I think as a community and, you know, we talk about military family a lot, um, as a community, we need each other and not, you know, not having people who understand what's going on because they they don't have that experience can be really hard, which is What another person said, isolation from non military friends and family because they lack an understanding that I can't make plans far in advance or I have to cancel plans. This happens so often. We just can't plan family vacations. We can't plan to be at a wedding. We can't plan to be anywhere because we just don't know what our active duty spouse will be doing. Um, We don't know what kind of availability they'll have, especially if we have kids, it makes it more complicated. Um, And I think family members, when they don't understand that, like when we travel to see them, it is our vacation. And oftentimes it takes a lot to get to that vacation and then to be around military, to be around non-military family or friends who don't understand that, you know, that, that struggle of this is our one time to be away from the base, away from the job, away from the culture, and then we often need like a vacation from our vacation because it can be so much pressure to show up and be everywhere and everything to everyone for that one week we're in town. I relate to that a lot. Um, another friend said a lack of feeling in control of our own life because the military calls the shots. Oh, yeah. That is so true. Ugh. There's like nothing to say to that. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. A lack of feeling and control is really, really harmful to your mental health. Um, more to come on that. Um, here's another one. There needs to be discussion on deployed parents and how to be present in your child's life when you're deployed. Yet, yeah, they don't really teach this, right? Like i I don't recall anyone ever talking to me as a military spouse or to my husband as active duty person. Hey, here are some things that you can do to, be present in your child's life when they're deployed. Sure. They had like a a book. um, My husband's first deployment. No, it was probably his second because we didn't have kids during his first deployment. On his second deployment, there was this program in Afghanistan where he was stationed. Um, He could read a book on a tape and then they sent us the tape. Like it was like a little DVD. They sent us the DVD and the book so that our oldest son could like be read to by their dad. Right. And of course now, like that's easy to do just on our own. Like I can record before I can do, but the thing is, is they don't really talk about it. So you had to kind of use the skills that you already have as a parent to think about these things. And I think the military makes a big assumption that a lot of these people coming into military life have the skills to think about these things creatively, But unfortunately, a lot of these families are dealing with so much pressure, dealing with so many new things, and may not even have the best examples of parents in their own life or parents who understand military life to teach them these things. Like to make the assumption that people know what to do to stay connected while they're deployed, I think is ignorance. So it's best not to make an assumption at all and then provide resources for people who do need it. Such as when you're deployed, you can still participate in your child's life in these ways. And I think that, you know, of course, in my head, there's always like in the back of my mind that saying you know, like a mission comes first because it's kind of like what you hear a lot is like, oh, yeah, we, we do prioritize family, but mission comes first. So then how does participating in your family's life while you're deployed, you know, take away from the mission? So it's always this like need to balance, right? The military needs versus your personal needs versus your family needs versus your relationship needs is a lot. This is what military families go through every day is thinking about these kinds of questions. Is my need bigger than the mission need? Do I have the right to ask for that as a military spouse? My answer would be, uh, yes, but that doesn't, that's not always the case. That's not always the reality. Um, Certainly, I don't want my husband to miss out on opportunities with our family, such as vacations or going to a wedding or whatever, but I don't get a choice, which, you know, the most impactful thing that one of my friends said really ties in to that, to that idea of mission first, right? We like to think that the military says family first. They don't. Okay. Okay. That's the reality. I'm not here to just sugarcoat being a military spouse. It's hard work and it's stressful and scary and lonely and isolating. Yes, I make great friends. Yes, we have awesome benefits. Yes, we have a house and food and comfort of this home. That's not permanent. That's not always the case for many other military families. The mission comes first, which creates so much instability in our life. And my friend said, the stress that comes with fighting for freedom, but not being free yourself. The stress that comes with fighting for freedom, but not being free yourself. Whoa. Ooh, I got like chills and I'm emotional reading that. Wow. Is there honor in being a military family? yes, to a sense, I feel that, which is a topic for another time because I really want to delve into that. But there is honor in signing up for something bigger than yourself. I didn't sign up. I just followed my husband into this messy world we call military life. But I did it knowing that there would be a lot of sacrifice. I did, I did not know how much Sacrifice it would take. And I did not know how much control I would be giving up to the military. Control over where I live, control over who I can talk to and be with, and control over my family's routine and schedule, control over many things, many big things. Do I still have control over a lot? Yes, majority of my life I have control over. But really big things, big things that affect my children and the stability in their life, yes. And I think, too, watching my husband, my spouse, be completely consumed by military life from, like like, the moment he wakes up, the moment he goes to bed, and probably in between in his dreams. Like, it is military, military, military. And that's like by design, it is meant to be that way. You are on 24 seven. You are never off duty. You are always on duty when you have signed that line. And it's hard because he has to put up with a lot. And it's hard to watch that as a spouse, as his best friend and partner. And that affects our family too. You know, anyway. Okay. So that was a little tangent. Military life isn't all bad. But the point of having the space to talk about your struggle as a military spouse is to get away from that culture of, well, at least, well, at least, like the minimizing the the um, what does Brene Brown call it in her book, The Atlas of the Heart? She talks about comparative suffering. Right? Like, well, at least he's not deployed right now. Well, at least you have good benefits. Well, at least he didn't die in war, or at least he has his legs. Like, I mean, good God, like it could go on and on, right? Like at least you're at a good base and not at a bad base, right? Okay. Yeah. There are some really amazing things to military life. But if we don't have the space to talk about the struggle, to talk about the pain, to talk about the grief, without that sweeping silver lining coming in, Okay, we're never gonna get anywhere because it is that that desire to minimize the pain and the struggle that keeps us from progress. So I thought, what an opportunity to provide space for military spouses to take power and control over their own narrative by sharing their story. Telling your story gives power to your story. So I want to provide that space and I want to start by sharing my story. Nathan and I met in college. I was still living in New York. Uh, I was going to Marist College, playing water polo, and we met on a weekend when I went back home and visited. And from that moment on, it was like light shone around him, and I was in heaven, and he was in heaven, and we've been together ever since. Um, So I ended up leaving New York and coming back to New Mexico. And he was in ROTC at UNM, and, and we finished out college together young. I got. I was like 21 when we got married almost 22 and we got married and left for our first base right away at McCord, Air Force base. I, I had like a taste of military because his brother, um, was active duty at the time and we went and visited him and it was really terrifying and scary. I just think I've, I felt like a child and I felt like a child for a very long time, even though we were married and, and adults, but, I think I just lacked maturity and I lacked uh, awareness of what all of it really meant. Um, I just didn't really know anybody in the military. So I came into this very naive and at our first base, it was just a lot. It was a lot of um, social activities, a lot of people, a lot of learning. Um, Nathan was at the time, it just felt like responsible for so much and um, gone a lot. He was gone a lot. Uh, I think because he was fresh into the military, he had just commissioned and he had a lot of training to do and a lot of learning to do. I did not know that we would spend so much time apart. I thought it was just like deployments. Oh yeah, I can do a deployment every now and then. No, there's so many times when you spend time apart and then even sometimes when they're there, They're not really there because they're so distracted with the amount of pressure they're under for these really big jobs and responsibilities they have. And this is like across the military. I I feel like if you know someone in the military, you should be checking in with them about, hey, you're under a lot of pressure. I'm here for you. How are you handling this? Because these people in the military are responsible for a lot and it's like expensive stuff and equipment and people's lives that they impact every day. So yeah, I think our military members, they, I don't think people really understand. And that's an assumption I'm making, but I, I just, I didn't understand. And I feel like a lot of people in my life didn't understand the magnitude of the work that military people do. So I respect military people so much. Um, but okay, back to my story. So our first base, Nathan's gone a lot. And he deployed, um, I think about a year and a half into us being there. And we had this whole plan about when we're gonna have kids and how we're gonna live our life and how foolish of us to make plans because Nathan deployed. And when he came back, I was like, we have to have a baby. I'm not gonna let you die at war without having a baby. So we, we had a baby and that kind of threw a wrench in everything. Um, I was already feeling very isolated and afraid And I honestly, like I did feel abandoned because it was like, I'm alone so much. I'm out here kind of floating in outer space while you're off TDY, living this life and traveling the world. And I'm here alone. So it was scary and very lonely. Um, You know, having a baby didn't fix anything. It just made things kind of shine brighter and harder to deal with. And I really, truly am so grateful that I had two commander's wives who helped me through this time. One was our, our group commander and one was our squadron commander's wife. And it, without their sort of hand holding at times, I don't know if I could have made it. I mean, it was it was really scary being alone so much for the first time responsible for this whole house and this whole social life that I was maintaining while he traveled. and now a child. And it was really scary. And also being afraid that he's off living this life and he's going to find something better and more exciting because I'm just stuck at home. Right. And that, I mean, that was so, that was like 14 years ago. That was a long time ago. And I was very young. I was 22. Uh, But I think the problem is, is a lot of people have that shared experience, maybe not exactly like mine, but feeling confused by the world that they've just walked into, feeling alone a lot um, and isolated. Because there is a stigma if you reach out for help. There that's just that's just the reality. There is. You're looked down upon by many people. And people will say like, oh, good for you. But it still comes with that like side eye of like, yeah, that's the crazy one. Oh, yeah, she couldn't keep her shit together. Right. So there's a stigma of needing help as a military spouse. Um, thankfully, I got help. I found an amazing therapist at our next base. Um, We were stationed at Hurlburt Field, which is like Hurlburt Field is in Florida and their mission is special operations. So it's fast paced. It's busy. It's like crazy. Just, it was very hard. And thankfully I had a really good therapist there and we, and I had a great community of people off base. Um, our, our old group commander who helped me through our first base, they retired there. So she was still in my life and is still in my life. She's amazing. And, um, we had an amazing church community that helped me at Hurlburt Field. I think our lives changed quite a bit because we were forced to face the reality of this life that we've chosen to live in, which is a life of sacrifice. And I, I wasn't ready to give up my power and I wasn't ready to accept that I had little control over some really big things. Um, It was hard and it was, it was difficult to face the reality that military community, military family, it is not what the military gives to you. It's what you make for yourself. And I didn't have that there. I had great church community, but when it came to the hardships of military life, I i don't think I felt that. Actually, I know I didn't feel that. And, and there was one person that I really confided in, and <laughs> she said, Suck it up, buttercup. You knew what you were getting into. And it just still, ugh, it lives under my skin today. It gets me every time I think about that way of thinking. Excuse my French is fucked up. It's messed up to dismiss somebody's feelings, someone's pain, and say, you knew what you signed up for. Oof. Let's just stop that right here. Let's just end that culture. Let's end that in the military. Suck it up, buttercup. No, thanks. I'm not going to suck it up. I'm going to process it. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to use it to help me make change for this military community we live in, this military life that we have to deal with. (sighs) Anyway, I... I just like rage over that. It's so frustrating. Okay. So we completely had this whole life shift in Florida, really realizing we have little control. And I pushed back against the military. I'm like, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want this. We are not doing this anymore. And I started demanding things from my husband who has no control by the way. Like I I know I knew that, but at the time I just couldn't accept it. And I gave him an ultimatum then, you know, there, how do you give an ultimatum in the military when nobody has control except for, you know, the people in power who anyway, yeah, I don't have control. My husband didn't have control. We can try, we can pretend and put things on a list and say, this is what we want, but ultimately we don't get to decide under very rare circumstances. Can that happen? And I just, I told him, I want to go home and be near family. And if you can't make that happen, I'm not following you to your next base. And listen, I might come off like I'm a horrible wife. And at the time I was in a lot of pain. And so was my husband. But I have heard from many, many, many families that decisions like this they happen. They come up. It's common. They're not always around pain and suffering and anger. Sometimes they're around making the best decision for your child, right? Like, my child is a senior in high school. I'm not going to make them switch schools their senior year. Sorry, we can't follow you to your next base. We're going to stay here. Like, that happens a lot. There are many, many reasons. A spouse has a career, she just doesn't want to give it up. He doesn't want to give it up. They stay behind and the active duty person goes on. I think that there are many reasons why families make decisions. And the last thing that people need is judgment from the outside world and from the military community. And I I was one of those people. I certainly was a 22-year-old lieutenant's wife who was like, oh my God, I could never imagine spending two years without you when I have the choice. Okay. (laughs) And then here I am, you know, 10 years later, giving him an ultimatum. In our, some, just by some miracle, it worked out that we got the base that was near home. And we spent two years stationed near family. I, I don't know how this miracle happened to be, but it did. By the grace of God or something or powers aligned and everything worked out. But then COVID happened and I, I, I had really wanted to go back home, get out of the military, and start a life of stability, and create stability for our family, because I thought that's what we needed. And then COVID happened, and there was no stability anywhere. And suddenly, being at home didn't feel like the answer, because I can't find stability in a place. I had to find stability in myself. So I did a lot of hard work. I started a career as a therapist, which, you know, in all of the chaos of military life and pain and struggle and ultimatums, I was going to school to become a therapist and getting my master's degree. And my husband had done another deployment. And so there's a lot of things that happened in between those years. It didn't just like, poof, I want to go home. Um, It was a lot that we were going through. So COVID happened. I'm starting my career as a therapist and... We both just kind of have this, like, come-to-Jesus moment where we realize being in the military is not as scary as it was when we were 22. Being in the military is an opportunity for us to share our love for each other, share our connection with one another, and our desire to help people and support people. So... That was a really big part of our decision to stay in the military. Also, um, thinking about looking for a new career during COVID was more terrifying than thinking about moving to a different base. And we do have good benefits. How can we not consider that when we're thinking about three young children? So yes, we stayed in the military. We're at our next base. And I've had the last, we've been here 10 months, and I've had the last 10 months to really contemplate, what kind of military spouse do I want to be? I'm I'm in a very wonderful position. My husband is, is an officer. We are very fortunate and blessed to be uh, financially secure and stable. Not everybody in the military has that. And I do not want to take that for granted. And I certainly do not want to take for granted that we're in a position. I'm a, I'm a key spouse mentor, which means that I support... Um, the the families in our squadron and unit. And I do not want to take that for granted because when I was 22 years old, struggling my ass off at McCord Air Force Base, it was two commander wives that pulled me through. And everything they did for me stayed with me throughout my husband's career so far. And, and they still like their words, their spirit, their energy, their thoughts, their prayers, their support, their love, their unconditional love and non-judgment. It's is still with me. It, it will be with me forever. And they're a part of my kid's life and I love their daughter. So it's just like, it, it can be an amazing military family. That's what it should be like. Have I had that since I left that base, our first base? No. But now I recognize I'm going to create that. I'm going to create that because there's somebody out there that needs it. So while I do that here, where we're stationed at, I also am like, hmm, I have this amazing podcast that I love so much. I want to open this up and create something like that that can reach out wider and reach people bigger. So that's what I'm doing. I'm using my voice to help others use their voice. I'm creating something new, something better. Just by simply showing up, and being unconditional, loving, and supporting. So please keep listening. Please share this with people you know. Please support your military families and spouses that you know of, that you're close to, that you haven't checked in on. Just ask them how they're doing. Like, hey, how are you really doing? Because It can be really hard to open up to people and be vulnerable when there's pressure to be the good spouse, the good military spouse, the, you know, proud American. That's a lot of pressure. And we don't always all feel that way. At least not all the time. There are many times I do feel proud of the work my husband does and that we do as a family to support him. But there are a lot of times when it is hard as shit to get through the day. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you continue to listen to this entire series on the podcast called The Good, The Bad, The Military Family. And I hope you learn something. And I hope that you, you know that if you're a military spouse listening to this, you are supported. You are seen. And you have a voice that you can use to give power to your story. So I hope you use it. Thanks. If you want to hear more from the good, the bad, the family, please subscribe. Or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at a. Lucero mft. Thanks for listening. I'm a licensed and trained marriage and family therapist, but this podcast is not a replacement for therapeutic advice. If you need help finding a therapist, visit psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area.